0: Hi guys, it's me, Lindsay Pinchuk, host and founder of Dear Found Her. And before we get into today's episode, I have some exciting news. You've asked and I'm answering. We're taking Dear Found Her live for some much anticipated networking events starting this fall. We'll be kicking things off where I live in Chicagoland with the goal to add more cities to our lineup in 2024. Our events will be free. You just have to be a female founder, but you'll have to RSVP. So make sure you get on our list so that you are the first to know when registration goes live. Space is limited. The links in the show notes. I can't wait to meet you. Dear founder, as you know, there's no blueprint for entrepreneurship. You wear so many hats, you burn the midnight oil, You pour your heart and soul into everything that you do. But without a doubt, the journey is worth every single second that you put into it. I'm Lindsay Pinchuk, host of the Dear Found Her podcast. I say this because I've lived it for over a decade. I started my first company with $500 in my pocket and a baby in my belly. I grew it and I sold it all. This podcast is my weekly letter to you. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Found Her. On today's episode, we're talking to someone who's been working with influencers just about as long as I have, if not longer, and that is since we've called them bloggers. So that's a really long time. She has transformed the way that we work with influencers, and I cannot wait for you to not only hear her story, but to learn from her as well. Before we get into today's episode, I want to say hello. I am your host, Lindsay Pinchuk. And for those of you who are new around here, I've been building brands for nearly 25 years. After a decade in corporate America, I started my own company back in 2010 with just a $500 investment. And I grew that business to reach 3 million users per month across multiple platforms and generate seven figures in revenue for six years straight. I built this company through practical, cost-effective, organic marketing strategies. This was all before I led my company's acquisition to a large agency holding company in 2019. 2 years later, I exited that company with one goal: to support other female founders and businesswomen through their own entrepreneurship journeys. This podcast, it's my weekly letter to you to inspire you to find success through your own entrepreneurial endeavors. Today, I use my experience and proven strategies to make marketing simple for you and your brand. Honestly, that is it. My mission is really straightforward. So if there's anything that you want to hear about or anything that you want me to share to help you through whatever it is you're trying to accomplish, I invite you to reach out. All you have to do is email me at lindsay at lindsaypinchuk.com or shoot me a DM at lindsay Pinchuck. And if you're inspired by today's episode, I invite you to share it. All you have to do is text it to a friend or share it in your stories on Instagram. If you tag me at Lindsay Pinchuck or dear found her, I will absolutely come and say hi. And I will likely share your story. And as always, if you like what you're hearing, I would love, love, love it. If you left a five-star rating or review, wherever it is that you podcast, that's how other people discover the show and the incredible stories that we share here each and every week. All you have to do is go to www.ratethispodcast.com forward slash Dear Found Her. So let's meet today's guest. Eliza Freud has always believed in the power of women as entrepreneurs, consumers, leaders, and as a community. She founded She Speaks in 2008 with a mission to amplify women's voices After 10 years at American Express, where she rose through the ranks to become vice president of global marketing today, she speaks as an award-winning influencer marketing company renowned for uncovering women's insights and creating needle moving programs for some of the world's most iconic brands, as well as a platform comprised of the largest, most diverse community of female consumers and creators in America with a network reach of more than 300 million consumers per month and growing. Eliza has created a multimedia platform that inspires and champions women to express their creativity, ideas, and opinions, and provides access to endless opportunities to expand their influence and, in many cases, build profitable businesses while doing so. She also hosts the weekly the She Speaks podcast and LinkedIn Live series, Powerhouse Women. Please come on in and meet Eliza Freud. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Found Her. I am so excited about today's guest. Aliza Freud is here. She is the founder of She Speaks. And I'm going to let her tell you what that is in just a second. But one of the things that drew me to her and her story is the fact that she has built a business out of amplifying women's voices. And... Anyone who's been here for five seconds knows that that is something that we do here at Dear Found Her that I do in, on my own social media platforms and all of my content platforms. And having Aliza here today is an absolute honor. So thank you so much for being here. We're so happy that you're going to share your story with Dear Found Her. I'm delighted to be here. So thanks for having me. So let's kick us off. Tell us your story. Tell us who you are, what you do, and tell us a little bit about She Speaks. Um, mo- I've spent all of my career in marketing in some
1: form of, or another. The first part of our, my career I spent in corporate America. I worked for American Express doing all different kinds of marketing uh, roles that they had there, product management, new product development, all of you know, advertising, all of the things. And I loved it uh i loved working there uh they were really good to me met some of my best friends there met my husband there so like great place to work great place to be but i wanted to be an entrepreneur and as much as it's beneficial to have an entrepreneurial spirit at a big company, it's very different to be actually an entrepreneur. Um, and so I couldn't really do that there. And I uh, had kind of known for a while I wanted to uh, start something, but then the question was, what was it going to be? And I, you know, as I said, I loved where I worked. Uh, I'd been there a long time. I'd been there almost 10 years. But so what was I going to leave this great place uh, for? Uh, it really took me some time. And um, ironically, it was like jet lag on a business trip to Japan that I kind of had that idea. Um, and the original idea for She Speaks was that we were going to be um, a online research company it was going to be research both quantitative and qualitative market research um, that would help companies better understand what was going on in the hearts and minds of women and that was the idea that so um, I got back to the states from Japan started building the platform um, and then launched uh, soft launched I should say it was a beta in 2007 had a few clients lined up who were all interested in understanding what was going on with women. Part of that though, part of the understanding required that we have you try the product that we were asking you to give feedback about. So we started shipping products out to people and lo and behold, Back. This is back in like two thousand seven, two thousand eight. A lot of the people who were starting to build online social media pre- uh, presence were looking for things to talk about on their blogs, on Facebook, where wherever they were, they were starting to be. And so, very quickly, we built our community from a list of like. Honestly, contacts I had from like my my years of like knowing women, and then business school. So most of my contacts, relatively small group of women, kind of the word sort of spread, and um, we got in with a lot of bloggers Um, at the time. That's what we called influencers. They weren't called influencers; they were called bloggers, and. Uh, very much grew the community from there. And we saw the power that these women who had built these blogs and had people kind of coming in to check in with what's going on with their family, if they were blogging about their families, what was going on, what recipes they were making. I mean, it was just so interesting to watch this industry at its very kind of uh, beginning and uh really we we kind of fell in love with uh, with what these women were creating and realized that there was an opportunity to not only have these women try a product and give us feedback, but also if 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 they were willing at some point and they fell in love with the product, could they talk about it on their blog So we shifted as time went moved forward. We are still very much uh in like in terms of the way we approach the world and what we do, it's all insights based. So every campaign we run, everything we do is starts with an insight study. We now have a quarter of a million women who are part of our community. And so, and we have CRM on them. So we know a lot about them. And so let's say, um, Gillette or Venus, the, the, the female version, the women's version of, of Gillette. Um, they came to us and they were like, we want to use influencers to build awareness for this new Venus product. And, um, they knew that they wanted at the time millennial moms who had kids that were in their, the age range. They were, you know, they were they knew that this was the mom that was their, their target, but they weren't quite sure what the message should be. So we went out to a group of millennial moms in our, in our base and said to them, Hey, what are some of the challenges that you experience when you're trying to shave your legs with a little kid? You know, how does that work for you? And a lot, and we got great feedback, great insights. A lot of the anecdotes that we got from that research study ended up becoming content for the influencers who ended up doing the content for that campaign, the hero content for that campaign. So that's just like kind of an example of how we use insights today. But today our business is mostly focused on working with these female influencers and creators we have and helping them monetize the, the audience that they've built by pairing them with brands who are interested in having them create content on their behalf and share that content. And then we do amplification. So we have a whole paid uh, component to what we do. There's an organic component, and then there's a paid amplification and boosting that happens as well.
0: So, I love that whole description, and I also love thank you for giving that example because I do think that example that you gave about the insights is such a good example of how an entrepreneur can not only gain information from their community if you know if they have a community, but also gain content mm-hmm. from their community. and you know, and it's it's sometimes it's right in front of you, and you just have to ask for it. I know obviously you're an agency and this brand paid for it, but for, you know, smaller businesses, you just have to ask, like, what nice. are, can you answer these five questions? Yeah. And you'd be surprised by the answers and the responses that you get and how you can use them.
1: Yeah. 100%. And I'm glad you brought that up, Lindsay, because anyone can do this. You, and, and, and I want to say that a smaller business Do not hire an agency like us. You're, you're going to just be paying for a middleman. What you can do instead is use a very, you can use a Google form for a survey. You can use SurveyMonkey has a free option. There's a bunch of different options, but put some questions in front of your followers and ask people to, to take, take the time to tell you what we have found is that people are very interested in being helpful. I'm going to say that women in particular seem to be more interested in being helpful, um, in terms of, you know, just giving you feedback, telling you what they think. And, um, and they, most people, um, if you ask them and they're, they're interested in your brand, they're interested in your, who, you know, whatever it is that you offer, they, you'll get a good number of them that would, would, will weigh in.
0: I'd love for you to touch upon how the landscape has changed because, you know, I, and I want to like really blatantly remind people of, yes, you said it was bloggers, but in 2008, there was no Instagram, there was no Snapchat, no TikTok. Like we were in a different world. I started my company in 2010. We had a, like a, we didn't even have a business Facebook page. There wasn't a business Facebook option until like, probably about a year into that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had LinkedIn and there was like Twitter, obviously. But we also used bloggers. I mean, I had a huge blogger event at blog her uh-huh. in 2013. Mm-hmm. And it was still bloggers. It wasn't yep. influencers. And when we were like trending on Twitter, it was the biggest thing in the world. That doesn't even happen anymore. Mm-hmm. So I'd love for you to like really take us back yeah, and talk to us a little bit about how the landscape has changed for the better, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think like, I don't want to, I don't want to focus on the negative because I think, yes, we are all like, you know, inundated by social media and there's so many messages being thrown at us. But what has happened is we have so many more resources as a, as businesses at our fingertips today.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so these, everything you said is kind of The accurate about how things started. What I would say is that in 2015, that's where you started to see some shifting. And if you will remember this, you probably will, that um, it was when YouTube decided to go all in on influencers, all in on their creators, who they... They really it was YouTube that started using that terminology of influencer, and that's when it became a lot more popular. Um, the first, it's and it's so interesting how how things are evolving. When we were starting to work with bloggers, it was blog content get blog content and then so they were writing long form the influencers were writing long form blogs and then in addition they would probably promote it on Twitter and Facebook right those were the places that they would promote we did a ton of twitter activations tons of things trended trended if you if you had enough followers and you got the right people and you knew how to kind of set it up you could get something to trend um and and then things started to shift right so then instagram came into the mix youtube became a much more popular platform in the sense that people wanted to do long-form content YouTube started monetizing that in the way that the other platforms had not. Nobody else was was paying uh, creators. Nobody was paying influencers back then. YouTube was one of the first to start doing that. And so it really did evolve. And um, I think that YouTube making the decision to do a national advertising campaign with their influencers, like a few key hero uh, creators as the, like the, the, the faces of the brand, that's really what accelerated I think the industry. Um, And we went from 2015, we were a half a billion dollar industry 2023 is projected to be a 20 plus billion dollar um, industry in terms of um, how much brands are spending in the space. So it's and it's just accelerating. It's very much. And I and I think that acceleration has got it got it hit another inflection point during covid because what happened, what we saw happening, at least with the brands we're working with, they needed content. They couldn't do shoots. They couldn't go off-site and do get a group of people together to to film a shot to film a either a video or or um, still or any kind of content, right? Because everyone was grounded, and um and so there was this huge need for content. But uh, and and brands couldn't get at the traditional routes. But on top of that, engagement on social media skyrocketed because what were people doing? They're sitting around at yeah. home. And they were, you know, scrolling through TikTok, which when TikTok became um, really popular, we actually, it's interesting because nobody remembers Musically, but Musically was the predecessor of TikTok. And we actually did act an activation with Katy Perry on Musically back in the day before it transitioned. That was for one of the cosmetic brands, but it, They reinvented themselves and they reinvented themselves as TikTok and it became huge during and COVID was a real accelerate, uh, accelerant for that. So, um, the, the, the things that really, I think have accelerated the industry, um, it has taken a bit of time, but, um, especially over the last few years, I think what's happened is, um, more and more attention has gone to social media and just in terms of consumers and what we're, what, where we are, but also, um, effectiveness of traditional ad units, um, just plummeted. And, um, and now what you can do within, I mean, influencers, and their content are native to those platforms, native to TikTok, native to Instagram, and you and there are better and better tools to boost that content. So you can you can get the organic reach, but you can also get paid reach behind it. And I think these tools are getting better, measurements getting better, and that's just why the industry is is accelerating.
0: Hi guys, it's me Lindsay. I want to give you a sneak peek into something I've been working on just for you. Recently, I took a survey and 89% of you told me that you needed help marketing and growing your business. You told me that it's impossible to grow your company in just 24 hours a day, that you have no time for consistent marketing, that you're having a hard time finding new clients, and that as a small business owner, you're feeling simply burnt out and overwhelmed. So let's change that. You don't need a million followers or a million dollar budget to grow your business. What you do need are the right tools, a process, step-by-step guidance, and a little bit of support along the way. I've been working on something brand new that will not only help you to grow your business, but that will also help you leverage the amazing community we're building right here at Dear Founder. So on Monday, November 20th, the doors will open to my brand new community and group mentorship, Marketing Made Simple for Small Business. When you join, you'll have access to three monthly live group strategy calls with me, access to ask me your marketing questions within our community, ebooks and guides with step-by-step instructions, and a community of women business owners to collaborate with, bounce ideas off of, and to support you. And then in 2024, I'll be bringing in guest speakers, and I'll introduce a whole host of additional resources. Consider Marketing Made Simple for Small Business, an extension of your company, your very own marketing department. So stay tuned because the doors open on Monday. Founding members will be grandfathered in to the lowest price ever offered, and there will be some incredible bonuses that you can take advantage of through Cyber Monday. Get excited. I am, and I cannot wait to work with you and to help make your marketing simple to build and grow your brand. So one of the things that I want to talk about is... um the need for content among brands because long gone are the days and this is this is a challenge i face with clients every client that walks through my door they only talk about their product like when they come to me they're literally just like talking about whatever it is that they offer and i get my hands on them and i'm like no we got to get some content and we create a content strategy and ultimately that content strategy obviously helps build their credibility and authority in the space whatever space they're in Leading to a transaction, I call it the bridge to transaction. So I'd love for you to talk and touch upon why this is so important in today's economy.
1: Well, brands are now actual personalities, which they were not before. So I came from a brand, um, American Express, which always saw itself as a personality. Um, we when we um, when we would talk about um, our products, we really talked about them as if they were almost people. And each, like the blue card had a personality, the platinum card had a personality, the black card had a personality. They all had personalities. And in addition, I think the other thing was that we, because we had such a strong connection to the end user who used the credit card, right? We, we had card members. They were members, right? That's a very different mindset than the person not to pick on a particular brand. But like, if you're the Skippy brand manager, right? Skippy peanut butter brand manager, you're not really interacting all the, like with your, with your, with the mom like me, let's say, who's picking up a, you know, a jar of Skippy off the shelf at my local Walmart or my local Target, wherever I'm buying it. Right. So that's a very so you're kind of further away from the end user, the person who's buying, than, um, then let's say, you know, the retailer is. So when you're on the when you're a traditional brand manager on at a CPG brand, right, you're when you say customer frequently, what you're talking about is the retailer. You're talking about the Walmarts of the world the whoever who's put their customer who's buying huge quantities and putting it on their shelves. When I was at American Express and we talked about the customer, we were talking about the people who use the credit card. So I will just I'm saying I'm giving you that background because I think that's why. Um, for somebody like me that came from that background, I understood the value of content, maybe in a way that is harder if you are a brand manager on a, on a, on a product that it, you're not as close to the customer. So I think what happened is social media necessitated that brands get personalities, right? Because you're Skippy. You're going to have a handle. You're going to have a brand handle on Instagram, whatever. And so you need to have a point of view and a perspective and in, and and your content can't just be a, you know, a, a studio shot of your product on a counter, right? It, it's just not going to work. And so with social media, And, and the proliferation of channels, right? So TikTok content is not going to necessarily be the content that's going to work on Pinterest. Pinterest content is not necessarily going to be the work, the content that works on Instagram. You, you have to feed all these, you know, these platforms basically. So you are desperately in need of content. And, um, and I think it's social that really, um, accelerated that need for content. And then because consumers got very savvy about ads, and we have so many more ways to ignore ads than we used to, you had to make your content interesting. So that's where the personification and the, you know, having a point of view, I think really started to come
0: out for a lot of brands that in the past didn't have to have that. You like took the words out of my mouth because the next thing I was going to ask you is to talk about how consumers have become so much more savvy, even in the influencer space. I mean, three, four five years ago, we were seeing influencers like holding up this water bottle and like talking about the water bottle and, you know, a hashtag ad or hashtag paid or whatever it is. And that doesn't fly anymore. Mm-mm. Consumers don't want to see that. I've muted all those people or unfollowed Mm-mm. them. I think a lot of us have. Mm-hmm if an influencer has not changed their persona, they're probably not influencing anymore. That's right. So what is like the best content that a brand can get from an influencer or Mm -hmm. someone in their community, even organically?
1: Okay. I, I love this question because it's like one of my pet peeves. So the, here's the thing that influencers do that. Even as a brand manager at American Express, where I thought I knew the customer really well, I frequently did not do well. And that is influencers think about your products and your services from a benefit driven place. Meaning I think as let's say I'm an influencer and you're hiring me to talk about your the car that, you you know, your car. That you that you're marketing. I will think about that from my perspective as a someone who's gonna drive that car, who has to fit my kids into that car, who has to understand how this car is gonna fit into my life, which means I'm going to think about it in terms of the benefits to my life. As a brand manager, and I can say this because I was one, (laughs) we get so caught up in our features. We get so caught up in features. Nobody cares about features. They care about benefit. And I think that one, but one of the things that I recognized with influencers early on was that when they talk about products, if you let them do it, if you let them be authentic and and real about it, they're going to talk about it from a benefit perspective. How did this make my life more interesting, better, funnier, whatever it is, more exciting? That's what they're going to talk about.
0: And that's the content that's going to resonate with the consumer and thus get them to pull the trigger and transact. That's right.
1: And if you don't, and and so I think to answer your question about how the space is evolving, I think good influencers have always been willing to die to fall on their swords about this. Like, don't give me too much of a briefing that it literally kills what I'm trying to convey. But even influencers who weren't willing to do that early on are realizing that, A, their audience won't tolerate content that does not feel organic to them and does not feel like it's speaking to the audience. And the brands are starting to realize that that it's going to work much better for them if they allow the influencers to have flexibility in conveying the message to their audience because that influencer knows their audience way better than any brand will, even if you're a brand that has exactly the demographic target that is that that influencer's audience. They understand the audience way better than you will as a brand because they engage with them every day. They talk to them every day. They see how they react to content. They know what is going to resonate with their audience. And I can tell you Dozens and dozens of stories of where the brand allowed the influencer to do something that maybe they didn't feel was was totally, you know, oh, this is a little pushing the boundaries. And it always ends up being a success for them if they if they allow them to do it.
0: So it's funny that you say that because I used to tell all of the brands in the baby space. They would say to me, like, Oh, like I gotta get my stroller in the hands of like, you know, Katy Perry or whoever and I always would say like no no one's buying a stroller because they saw Katy Perry pushing it in Us Weekly like (laughs) they want to buy a stroller because they've heard from someone that it's like the best freaking stroller and it's made their lives so much easier Mm -hmm. so like you seating it with a celebrity to have pictures in in, like you know on Perez Hilton is just not going to move the needle and it was especially the case with like big ticket purchases, obviously mm-hmm. like strollers, but car seats. Because mm-hmm. where do you sit? Like no one takes a picture of a kid in a car seat. Like yeah. no one, like where you don't ever see car seats. They're in the car, right? And and it was just like not a viable option to market your brand. And 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 I. Had the, I can't even tell you how many conversations I had with so many brands. And I'd be like, you need to seed them with real moms and yes. like let the real moms talk about the benefit of the product. Yeah. Why is this swaddle the best? Why is this playpen the best? Whatever it might be. And that just goes exactly to your point. It, it, <laughs> so if there is a brand a small brand who doesn't necessarily have a marketing budget or an influencer budget. And that was me. We never had a budget at Bump Club and we invited people and gave things away for free and and whatnot, but I never paid anyone. Yep. But, If a brand doesn't have a budget for influencers, how would you recommend them tapping into influencer economy to get content that they can use? Like what are some best practices?
1: Okay. Well, first of all, the tools have gotten so much better in terms of the platforms at being able to search, right? So there's a lot more flexibility. You don't need to have even a software package. You can go on and search, right? You also frequently, you'll have people who will tag you that customers who tag you. So here are ambassadors waiting for you to contact them, right? So what I would say is if you, if you're a small brand, you can first look to see, are there people who are tagging your brand talk and, and, and like you already, if you're prior to that, like you just, you don't have enough awareness yet, find people who are talking about the category and reach out to them. DM them. Hey, I'm so and so. I love your content. This I saw this piece of content, thinks and it really resonated. I would love to see if I could send you my whatever product for free, if you would be willing to take a look at it. And if you like it, you know, if you want to write about it, we would love, we would really appreciate that. We're just starting, like whatever, whatever the story is. I will tell you, you will get a lot of people who are willing to work with you. And, and do that, especially if you reach out to them individually as a company and reach out to them, they, you are making them feel special. You are making them feel like they're heard and seen. And that is appealing. It's appealing. You can get so much value when you just reach out to someone who you think is creating good content that, that probably has your audience. And, and just offer them an opportunity. Hey, look, if I send you this, would you be willing to try it? And, you know, obviously I wouldn't put the cart before the horse. If they haven't tried your product, they're not going to agree that they're going to post about it. yet, Right. I mean, in general and not the people who you really want. So say to them, you know, would you be willing to try it? I'll send it to you. And if, they and then if they like it, no, not everyone's going to write about it, but you, you don't need everyone to reach no. out to. 12, 15, 20 people, and then some of them will do it. And then you build momentum and then you get you out, you offer them the opportunity to get rights to use their content. You probably will. Some of them will charge you for rights to use the content, but then you've got content, you know, and it's not the same as paying them for their, for their post to begin with. So, um, you know, there's definitely, I, I highly recommend just reaching out to people who you think have your audience, would like your product and, and asking them if you can send it to them.
0: So it's interesting that you say that I'm in the process in the middle of doing a similar kind of push with a client of mine. And I'd love to share the example just to, to dovetail onto what you just said, especially if you have a low, a low ticket item and it's so easy to send out, which I have a client who has a low ticket item and I didn't reach out to influencers. I reached out to influential people I know. So mm-hmm. people who do have a big following but aren't getting paid to like hawk products, basically. Yep. And who had kids within the demographic because it was a, a, a product for kids. Right. And I reached out and I said, I see that you have a daughter, blah, blah, blah. I would love to send them this product. Let me know if they would be interested because if they're not interested, I don't want to send it. Right. I will tell you, every single person we've sent this product to has posted it. I don't even ask them to post it. So that's like, and and now they have all this content, right? And it's from people who aren't getting paid to create content. So th- none of these people care and they actually want the eyeballs on them as well. There you go. The second thing that I did to your point is I went through their followers and I did pick out some influencers that do follow them, do subscribe to them. And I reached out as just kind of a surprise and delight to make them feel good. Like, Hey, I'd love to send you our latest X, Y, and Z. And guess yeah. what? They've all posted it too.
1: Right. I saw that you liked engaged with this post about this. I would love to send it to you. I mean, that's so smart.
0: But so I just, smart. I I want to share that because I think that to the people who are listening, a lot of our, our community, our small business owners, that think that they don't have the capabilities or yeah. the budget or that this is so far-fetched for them and it's not no it's no. not it's really Absolutely. just kind of like going back to the basics and mm-hmm. being strategic yeah. about
1: it you know um i did a because we had so many especially female founded businesses who would approach us and say oh you know i have a small budget can i work with you we decided to do like a master class and we just i, I mean i'm happy yeah. to give you the link to it it's a video with, along with like um handout, but well, I don't know if that's old school, but you can download it. You can download it if you want, but it literally takes you through how do you... If without having like huge budgets, how do you um, create a campaign and then manage it all the way through so that you can have um, a like a successful run and you're not wasting a ton of money. So happy to share that. I would love to share that.
0: And, and I would love to link it in the show notes. Oh, so that's something that I work through with my clients all the time. Like, here's a great strategic approach to utilizing this content. So what would be like three things, three ways that you would say to utilize content that is given to you by, by a creator or by an influential or Uh anyone really? I mean, it could just be a member of your community.
1: So um, I would say anything digital is, is like a slam dunk. Like you, so first of all, once you have a piece of content you love uh, from an influencer, it is such an efficient use of funds to boost it. Just, you know, anybody can like get an account on Meta. You both, and It works for both Facebook, Instagram. You can do, you know, do some targeting if you want to and boost the content. It is a very efficient. And you can say, I want to optimize for clicks. I want to optimize like you can where there is an actual, imp, like you can see the impact. So um, de- definitely that like if you have a great piece of content, boost it. You can frequently work through the influencer to um, run those ads through their account. So you can, if you have a great influencer you've worked with, great piece of content, um, and you want to run it through their account, it, that works really well. So, and that you do you just do it the same way, but you're running the the boosting through their account. That's number one. The second thing I would say is, if you have retail partners, Use it on the retail partners. Like if you have a page, like a lot of companies will um, have a page out. If they sell their product at Walmart, they have a page on walmart.com. Feature the content there. User generated content works really, really well on these, on, on retail sites. So, um, we've seen what we've seen more and more clients using the content that they get from influencers, um, on their retail sites. And then of course on your own site use the content and your own social feed. I mean, use it just, you know, with the influencers, if you're, if you've got people who you're working with, you just have to work through the usage rights, but, but, you know, it can be pretty, it could, it can be pretty straightforward to do that. Just say, Hey, I would like to be able to use it in these places. Is that okay? And if they say, well, I'd
0: like to charge a little bit more for that, then you just have that conversation. The best part, there's no contract. You can purchase their services as needed on a monthly basis. Use the code FoundHer and save 50% off your first month of services. Give them a try. The decision to outsource this part of my business has surely saved me a ton in the long run, and it was the best decision I've made for my business. I will say that the boosting tip is such a good one. When I boost videos for my podcast, um you know, especially of women who have been on this show who have recognizable faces. Though, I mean, it's insane what happens to that content. Twenty five dollars, yeah. you know, and and it's crazy. Like it, mm-hmm. it definitely goes so much further. And you know, ultimately, these platforms want you to pay. You know, so yes,
1: yes. that is so, how they work.
0: <laughs> <laughs> how has your business grown? since 2008? I mean, obviously the landscape's changed, there are more opportunities now, but I'd love to hear a little bit about the growth of your business.
1: So, um, I would say that when we were starting 2008, 2009, 2010, people were still wrapping their heads around what this was. And here's one thing I would say to all entrepreneurs, if you don't have to swim upstream, do not swim upstream. It is not, it is not an easy, it is not an easy road. It's not an easy path. So when we started, we would be going in and talking to people at at agencies or brands and they'd be like, wait, what is this? What's a blogger? Like, what, what do you mean there? What, what is this? It, it definitely evolved and post like 20, 2012, 2013, I would say people started to understand it a little bit better but as i said in 2015 we went from a half a billion dollars as an industry to where we are today which is expected to be 20 plus billion in in 2023 and so um i would say that um our business has grown tremendously over the last several years um but i also want to say that Yes, it's like we've stuck in it long enough to get there, which is a big part of entrepreneurship being able to like stick in long enough till you can hit that point. Um and we've we built a good reputation, but also you have wind at your back. Like we have wind at our back. I mean, there are you know, there is no question that um, that, you know, having to not explain to people what it is. And also now it's become part of the marketing mix. So the budgets are there. Um, so I would like to say that, you know, from our per, like from my perspective, I'm proud that we kind of hung in there long enough to be able to get to that inflection point. Um, but the inflection point happened for the industry. So we are benefiting from that.
0: All right. All right. Aliza, what are three actionable tips that you would give an entrepreneur who's just starting out?
1: Oh, wow. Okay. Number one, uh, don't listen to other people tell you that your idea can not work um, because there are going to be a lot of people who don't understand what you understand and you have to believe in it. So you're going to get a lot of advice Unsolicited, I'm sure, but don't like just have faith in what you're trying to do. Um, that doesn't mean that you can't listen for ideas. Um, be open to that. So the, my second um, recommendation is be open to seeing how your business and your product can evolve because they always do. I mean, you look at mo- the most successful companies, the way they started or not where they ended up. Um, so be open to being, having that type of evolution. That would be my second piece of advice. And the third thing is, um, give yourself grace. It's really lonely to be an entrepreneur. Sometimes it's really hard. It's takes up so much share of mind because you just, you're all like, it's like an, you know, for me, I always thought of it as like a, a, a like a baby of of sorts, but um, so you're going to be hard on yourself with so many things, but uh, but remember that failure is not fatal. You're going to fail a lot, and and it doesn't matter. Like, learn from it and just move forward and stick with it as long as your gut tells you to stick with it.
0: Eliza Freud, founder of She Speaks, thank you so much for all of your generous knowledge and wisdom and all of your tips. There are so many amazing takeaways from today's conversation and things that I know our community and myself can apply to our own businesses. So I so appreciate you being here. I hope this is the first of many conversations. It has been such a pleasure to talk to you for the last hour. And I cannot wait to share your story with our community. Thank you. I hope that you took away so much from that conversation. Eliza was filled with so much information and knowledge and wisdom, and so many amazing actionable steps. Speaking of which, I wanna share my top five takeaways with you from today. So take out your pen and paper and get ready. Number one, brands are, are now personalities, so a content strategy supporting this notion is imperative. Number two, you don't need a big agency to work with influencers. Look at who's tagging you. Search for people within your category and within your community. Simply DM them. Number three, maximize any content you get from a creator and use it everywhere. Number four, if you love a piece of content that's created for you, invest in boosting it so that more people see it. And number five, be open to seeing how your product can evolve. I love Eliza's story and how she evolved her business to the growing needs of her consumer. I hope that you liked today's episode. I hope that you love today's conversation. Please make sure that you are following Eliza. We are linking her in the show notes. And as always, thank you so much for listening and thank you for being here. Stay tuned. We have another brand new episode coming your way next week.